Hello, welcome to Atari Bytes, the show where we take a bite out of the story within a classic Atari 2600 game and see if that story bites us back. My name is Bill. This is episode 184. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody. I'm doing it again late on a Friday night. That's how much I like you guys. Got some travel coming up, so I am rearranging my recording schedule, and I am doing this well after bedtime. So if I nod off during the show, eh, probably won't affect the quality all that much. Just, uh, you know, turn out the lights, tiptoe out of the room quietly. Uh, I'd appreciate it. If you, if you could, um, you know, if you could sing me a little lullaby, maybe, um, maybe, maybe bring me a nice blankie, that would be nice. Okay, thanks. Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship. Or else he'll go splat He's Mad Mike Hughes Mad Mike Hughes Over there on the Rocket Man, Mad Mike's mission to prove the flat earth page there on the Facebook 13 hours ago as I record this here podcast he posted, or whoever runs this page posted the Flat Earth Rocket Squad I smell some sort of uh, money-making promotional thing here. The Flat Earth Rocket Squad. Self-taught rocket scientist Mad Mike Hughes. Hold on. Scientist? Let's just leave that aside for now. His landlord and fellow rocket enthusiast Waldo Stakes and the roadside Samaritan Patrick Marchese. The new website is up and running. All right, so those guys they're referring to are in this photo. Um, you know, they all got the crossed arms. You know, they're standing there in the sunset, looking very serious and scientist-y, I guess? I don't know. Mike's got a, um, you know, a flight suit on with all the patches on it and stuff. Let's check out the new website, www.realrocketman.com. So when you go to that page, which I just bookmarked against my better judgment, the first thing comes up is Rocketman the documentary, Mad Mike's mission to prove the flat earth. And there's a link to a trailer which I'm not going to watch how to watch the film coming August 11th 2019 Amazon future link to Amazon Fandango now future link to Fandango now Apple TV future link to Apple Apple TV voodoo future link to voodoo Google Play YouTube future link to YouTube documentary about aging daredevil ouch take that mad might Hughes decides to launch himself in a homemade rocket and a mad mission to prove Earth is flat in this hilarious documentary that chronicles his journey to liftoff. South Dakota native Tommy Brusso was searching the web, came across an article about a flat earther who was launching himself in a homemade rocket to prove the Earth was flat, gave him a chance to produce something similar to one of his favorite Chris Smith documentaries, American Movie. He made some calls, partnered with longtime collaborator Michael Lynn, and one month later they were filming Mad My Twos and Friends in the California Desert. It has the cast, all these people that they keep posting about. They all look normal. Stuff about the movie, etc., etc. RealRocketMan.com So I don't know if they're ever actually going to launch a rocket, but they definitely have a movie, I guess. The earlier posts were just things about the movie, the trailer and so forth. July 24th, uh, somebody posted, Holy guacamole! Along with a little, uh, uh, a little uh, cartoon image of, a, of an avocado. Get ready for some hard-hitting journalism in this clip from Fox News and Mad Mike Pure Gold. I'm not going to watch it, but it appears to be a clip of somebody on Fox, the Fox Business Channel talking to a really doofusy looking Mad Mike. Doofusy being a word 
I just decided. Same post as always on the Twitter. I don't know if any of this means we're getting close to something, by which I mean some sort of resolution of this launch a rocket thing so that I can stop posting about Mad My Tews. But we're close to a movie, I guess. As this episode goes out, it is August 4th, I believe, which means we're about a week away from that movie being released. If any of you watched the movie, please give me your review so that I can share it with the listeners. I'm not sure if I will. I am sure I will forget to watch it on the day it comes out, but uh, perhaps I will check it out at some point if it does not cost me any money and very little of my time. And on that inspiring note... Gonna prove that the world is flat in his rocket ship or else he'll go splat. He's Mad Mike Hughes. Mad Mike Hughes. Time now for the Atari Bytes investment team pick of the week. Our number crunchers have been wearing their green visors and whipping the hell out of their abacuses to determine for you this week's investment advice. This week's investment advice is to invest in Atari? There was an article on a website called Simply Wall Street headlined, Should Atari SA Be Your Next Stock Pick? This was uh, posted July 22nd. As an investor, the article says, I look for investments which, which does not compromise. Ooh, they need an editor over there at Wall Street. Over there at simply Wall Street. Uh, I'll try this again the way it should be written. As an investor, I'd look for investments which do not compromise one fundamental factor for another. By this I mean I look at stocks historically from their financial health to the future outlook. In the case of Atari SA, it is a financially robust company with a great track record and an optimistic growth outlook. Below is a brief commentary on these key aspects for those interested in understanding where the figures come from and want to see the analysis. Take a look at the report on Atari here, and there's a link to do that thing. Uh, I'm not going to read all this. Basically, exceptional growth potential, excellent balance sheet. They have an ability to maintain maintain an adequate level of cash to meet upcoming liabilities. It's st- is the stock undervalued? Does it return gains to shareholders through reinvesting itself? Apparently, the answer to all these things is yes. So, simply Wall Street says, hey, buy some Atari stock. Please note that these opinions are solely the opinion of Simply Wall Street, and do not reflect the views of management here at Atari Bytes. In other words, if you invest in them and lose your money, it's on you, man. I'm just reading what I read. Alright, well, while I wait for my fortune to arrive, we might as well play an Atari game. What do you think? This week's game is Street Racer from Atari. One of the games that made it such a good investment. Or is it? This one came out in 1978. I believe it was one of the original nine uh, games that sort of launched the Atari system and blew people's minds. What is Street Racer about? Well, racing, basically. Actually, it's a bit deceiving. The game is called Street Racer, but oh, it's so much more. Um, We're going to use the paddle controllers for this one, which uh, I'm not a fan of, only because the paddles I have are frankly not in good shape Uh, I could get a new set I guess but uh, I haven't so I'm always kind of uneasy when we get the paddles out 
hold the paddle controller, each with the red button to your upper left, toward the television screen. In all the racing games, use the knob on the top of the controller to steer the vehicle in the playfield. The red button on the side of the controller is your accelerator. In Street Racer, Slalom, Scoop, Ball, and Number Cruncher. Use the red button as a forward thrust in Dodge em and to fire bullets in Jet Shooter. Because this game is so much more than a street racing game. It is an air battle game. It is a skiing adventure. It is a game where you try to catch numbers with your car. Because we all love to do that. Anyway, there's a lot of stuff in this uh, package, is what I'm saying. There are 27 variations on this racing game. And we're going to talk about all of them in detail, so get comfortable. Just kidding. In Street Racer, you avoid collisions and score points. One, two, three, or four players each control one car on the track. In the one and two player games, each player uses a separate vertical track. In three and four player games, two players share one track. Each player tests all his skills, tests his skills against computer cars. Use the knobs on the controller to steer your car around the oncoming cars, heading straight for you. Press the red controller button to increase your speed. Score one point for every car you pass. Your car is color-coordinated with your score, which appears at the top of the playfield. Each game is comprised is completed after 2 minutes and 16 seconds. I assume that's a computer memory thing. It seems like such an odd number. But uh, there you go. Uh, so you got 2 minutes 16 seconds, or when a player or team scores 99 points. There are different, you know, each game allows you to use a different number of players. That's one of the reasons there are 27 variations. Basically, the Street Racer game is uh, games on the on the cartridge, one through six. In Slalom, you play on your skis and get ready for the treacherous slopes. One, two, three, or four players each control one set of skis. In one and two player games, each player skis on his own private ski run. In three and four player games, two players share a run. Use the knob on the controller to sh steer your ski through gates. Press the red controller button when you want to increase the speed down the run. Score one point for every gate you pass. When you crash into the gate, you've only lost time, not points. Note, slide the difficulty switch to a position, to a position, and you lose one point upon, upon collision. The gates also become narrower. Your skis are color-coordinated with the score, which appears at the top of the playfield. A game of slalom is completed when one player scores 99 points, or after 2 minutes and 16 seconds. The scores will flash on and off during the last 16 game seconds. Games 7 through 12 are the various slalom games. Then we have Dodge'em. Sharpen your driving reflexes and make points when you avoid oncoming obstacles. One or two players each control one car. How does that work? In these one and two player games, each player has a private vertical straightaway track. Use the controller knob to steer your car. Press the red controller button when you want to... Accelerate the car, release the button, and the car gradually falls backward to the bottom of the track. Your object is to move the car from the bottom of the track to the top while dodging oncoming obstacles. Score one point each time you complete the straightaway. Your car automatically returns to the position starting line. To the position starting line. To the bottom. Man. To the bottom starting line when you complete the track. The optometrist offered to uh, get me a new prescription the other day for my glasses. Maybe I should have taken her up on it. Games 13, excuse me, games 12 through 16 comprise the Dodge'em 
games. Then we have Jet Shooter. You're a flighter you're a fighter pilot in this game. One or two players each control one fighter jet equipped with missiles. In these games, each player has a separate airspace. Use the controller knob to steer your jet through the sky. Press the red controller button when you want to fire missiles and destroy enemy craft approaching you from the opposite direction. Score one point. For each enemy aircraft you destroy, put the difficulty switch in the B position and you lose one... You lose only time, not points. When enemy jet collides with you. With the difficulty switch in A position, you lose one point for each collision. A game is completed when one pilot scores 99 points, or after 2 minutes and 16 seconds. Games 17 through 20 are the jet shooter games. Then we have Number Cruncher. Got an appetite for numbers? 1, 2, 3, and 4 players each control one motorcycle. Um, by the way, on the screen, don't look at anything like a motorcycle. I know you're shocked by this. The motorcycle crunches numbers on the track, because you see motorcycles doing that all the time in real life. In one and two player games, each player drives up a private vertical track. In three or four player games, two players make up a motorcycle team and share the right track. Two players use one track in four player games. Use the controller knob to steer your chopper down the track. Question for motorcycle riders. Is there anybody today, today being as I record this, 2019, who refers to a motorcycle as a chopper. I was just wondering. Alright. Use the controller knob to steer your chopper down the track. Press the red controller button when you want to accelerate the speed. That's kind of a weird phrase. Accelerate the speed. Anyway. Object is to run over the numbers on the track. You score the face value of each number you squash. For example, score 6 points when you crunch a number 6. Be sure to directly run over the numbers with the nose of your chopper. Sloppy aim can result in number collisions instead of number points. Sloppy aim, by the way, was my nickname in college. I still don't quite get what the point of this game is. I guess maybe to directly run over numbers that equal more points than your opponent? I don't know. That's kind of lame. Sorry, number cruncher. Games 21 through 24 are the number cruncher games. Then finally we have scoop ball. Your object is to catch balls and deposit them into a computer scooper. To catch the balls, you have a giant moving scooper. Two, three, or four players each control one scooper. In two-player games, each player moves along a private track. Two players share the right track. In three-player games, during four-player games, two players are on each track. Use the controller knob to steer the scooper up the track. Press the red controller button to accelerate the scooper. You score one point each time you catch a ball. Continue to catch balls until a computer scooper appears on the screen. When you steer your scooper into the computer scooper, you score three points and deposit the ball or balls you've collected. If you crash before depositing, you lose your chance to deposit the balls and score. Your scooper changes shape after you catch the first ball. After you deposit the balls, your scooper returns to its original shape. No, I don't know why either. I suppose maybe it's just to remind you that you have balls, because, you know, we all need a reminder of that from time to time. And the uh, scoop ball games comprise games 25, 26, and 27 on your Atari cartridge. And that is how you play the various permutations of Street Racer. Street Racer was programmed by Larry Kaplan, released by Atari in September of 77, is one of the nine Atari VCS launch titles. The game was also published by Sears for the Telegames product line as Speedway 2. 
which is weird because why would you call a game Speedway 2 if there wasn't a Speedway 1? It was one of the two launch titles that Kaplan programmed, Air Sea Battle being the other one. It suffered from unattractive blocky graphics. According to Kaplan himself, later racing games released for the Atari such as Activision's 82 game Barnstorming, Barnstorming and Grand Prix were able to offer improved graphics and gameplay. In a 2007 interview with Digital Press, Kaplan was asked what he would change about any of the games he had written. Quote, Street Racer is a game that lacks good gameplay. I took out the moving playfield because it didn't flow right. It tended to flicker. If I could change the game to have a smooth scrolling playfield, it would make the game play better. Close quote. Kaplan, of course, went on to found Activision, where he developed Kaboom! One of the ten top selling games for the 2600. Video Magazine reviewed Street Racer as part of a general review of the VCS and gave it a score of 5.5 out of 10, which, honestly, to me, seems generous. The game did not age well, and modern critics have given it poor reviews as well. Gamma Sutra have described the number cruncher subgame as a highlight of the game. Alright. Strategy Wiki observes that this one doesn't appear to be based off any contemporary Atari arcade games that existed at the time. But you could draw a connection between Dodgem and a very early discrete logic game by Atari known as Space Race, made in 73. Okay, I think I'm getting an answer to my Speedway comment here. According to this article, when Atari signed a distribution deal with Sears that allowed Sears to market Atari products under Sears' own telegames label, Atari made several dedicated machines, such as Pong, that were exclusive to Sears. Two such machines were Speedway and Speedway 4, which contained similar styles of racing game. Unsurprisingly, Sears released this cartridge as Speedway 2 under the telegames label. Well, that still sounds dumb to me. Why won't you just go in order? 1, 2, 3, 4. Very confused, Sears. Uh, and now Sears is dead. So, I guess I won, huh? <laughs> Strategy Wiki notes that uh, you had the paddles here, using the paddles, and the paddle controllers came to a, uh, came to, to a connection so that you could have up to four people playing, which is a pretty novel thing in 1977. HonestGamers.com called Street Racer one of the two racing games that were available for the 2600 at the system's launch. Sorry, they actually said more than that in terms of a, re- of a review. Like the rest of Atari 2600 launch titles, it has a very dated presentation. Many of the game's objects barely resemble what they're meant to be. On the other hand, the audio is great. Great? Really? Listen to the field report and tell me if you think the audio is great. The vehicle's engine sounds very realistic. Different tones for different speeds. Okay, I'll give them that. You, you do get that. A short sound effect plays whenever a player scores a point, and these sound effects usually have different tones to make it clear which player or team scored a point. It was an interesting game for its time, but the game modes feel too similar to each other. For a launch title on the 2600, Street Racer has decent, casual, friendly gameplay, and can provide entertainment for an hour or two just as long as you have other people to play with. 3 out of 5. I guess you gotta think of it in context of 1977. I imagine it probably would entertain you for an hour or two. I know it would have entertained me in 1977, but I was like 6. So, uh, I wasn't the jaded, middle-aged curmudgeon that I am now. Alright, well, after the break, each game in this set lasts 2 minutes and 16 seconds. Hmm. Do any of you guys out there think you can last 2 minutes and 16 seconds? Stop bragging.
This week's fun fact brought to us by Carnation Breakfast Essentials. Carnation Breakfast Essentials for those mornings after too many years of sausage and biscuits. Few people know that in the later years of Speed Racer, to liven things up and freshen the series, a character named Street Racer was added to the series. A streetwise leather jacket wearing know-it-all who put the Speed Racer and gang in their place. In the fine tradition of Scrappy-Doo, Pinky Tuscadero, Leather Tuscadero, and that kid that Leonardo DiCaprio played on Growing Pains, Street Racer, continuing the desperate ploy of TV shows throughout the generations to remain relevant. Alright, we're playing Speed Racer. Wait, no we're not. We're playing Street Racer. Yep, that's the thing we're about to do. Alright, I have my paddle controllers, which is always a dubious prospect for me because I have what I'm sure are the original paddle controllers that I had as a kid, and one of them makes a noise like this, which can't be good. It happens to be the left one, which the manual tells us is the one we're supposed to use to play this game, but for me, for some reason, the left one doesn't work. Only, at least in this game, I know I've used it in the past, in the, in the life of this podcast. So I'm going to be using the right controller in flagrant disregard of the rules in the manual because that's how we roll here at Atari Bytes. Alright, let's do it. So here we are, we've got a racing game. And for reasons I don't understand... It's the right-handed car. I'm playing game one, which should be a one-player game. So you would think I would be the left-handed car. But I guess because the left-handed paddle doesn't work, but the right-handed paddle shouldn't be working because it's a one-player game. That should be the computer. I'm very confused. Uh, this is a race car game. Aside from all that paddle stuff, it's a little disconcerting because you don't actually go anywhere. The opposing cars come at you, even when you hit the button to make your car accelerate. The screen doesn't move. The track doesn't move. Things come at you. Um, I suppose it's the limitations of the technology at the time, but it's weird. I do enjoy when the uh, cars tra crash into your sort of eye-shaped race car. I guess it's supposed to be like a Formula One car, maybe. And when you get crashed into it, crunches you into this weird shape that looks a little bit like the, you know, the outline of the, the person running. Um, you know, in like a Looney Tunes cartoon, when, when someone runs and crashes through a wall, the outline of the person's body and the wall kind of running. If you watch Looney Tunes, you know what I'm talking about. That's kind of what your crashed car looks like. Um, this is pretty boring, so I'm going to move on and see what other games we got. What's this? It's another race car game. Uh, I guess it's just this is the four-person version. Never mind. All right, we're gonna do a little skiing, a little slalom action. Greeny over there isn't doing so well. I just made it through a, a gate or whatever. Checkpoint flag thing. 
unfortunately, with this setup, the green guy on the left isn't working, so every time he crashes, because he isn't moving, it pauses the game, which uh, crushes my momentum, yo. This time when you crash, you don't look like the outline of a person running. You look like, it's kind of a, uh, here, I'll crash on purpose. You look like sort of a, uh, well, I don't know what you look like. A crashed skier, I guess. Um, no, actually the skier, when you're upright and not crashed, you look like an H. Alright, I'm going to pick up speed a little bit here. Oop, that was a bad idea, I crashed again. I guess when you crash, you kind of look like, uh... Uh, not quite like a dollar sign. No, not anything like a dollar sign. Never mind. Uh, what else can I say about this? The, the uh, gates coming at you are, are blue. The screen is sort of gray, so it doesn't look like anything like snow. Uh, nothing to suggest to you that you're downhill skiing or uphill skiing, skiing or cross-country skiing or anything, really. If you didn't know any better, you wouldn't know you were skiing. I guess the audio that you can probably hear some of is supposed to make you think of slaloming down a hillside. I don't know. Alright, let's move on. Okay, I'm guessing this is the dodge -em thing. Where your car has to avoid the green blobs. Which I'm not doing a very good job of. It's next to impossible because you don't move. The stuff comes at you from off screen. You don't know when or where it's coming. And the screen, it's a TV screen. It's very short. You really don't have time to react. this one. Let's move on. Okay, this is the airplane one. I'm shooting at fighter jets. Your bullets move really slow. It's like you're in uh, bullet time in the Matrix, only way less cool. You have to start shooting before there's a jet because it's going to take uh, forever for your bullet to get up to where the jet is. Boom, y'all. Uh, I missed. The bullet I fired at one jet missed, and then it was moving so slow it hit the next jet. Alright. One more jet, and then we'll move on. Okay, let's move on. Oh, number crunchers. I know you're supposed to catch the numbers, I guess, but I'm not really sure why. I have no idea what I'm doing. I guess if I read the manual, I would know. The numbers defeated me. It's like when I pay bills. 
I really don't know what's going on here. Your vehicle looks a little bit like the stagecoaches in uh, Gunfighters. Wait, what's that one? The shooting, the outlaw, not gunfighters, outlaw. Looks a little bit like the carriages in outlaw. All right, let's move on. I don't know what this is. All right, so I'm looking at my vehicle, which is kind of like a corkscrew. And it's trying to catch other corkscrews. Oh, 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 I think I get it. You got like a weird set of prongs on the end of your, your vehicle. And you're trying to catch different shapes are coming at you and they have to line up. They have to be the, the matching shape. The, the, the male to your female grommet thing. And then it, it adds to your shape. Nope, that's not going to fit. And it changes your shape slightly. I'm describing this terribly, but I guess that's what's going on. Ooh, that's what I needed. Boom, y'all. Nope, doesn't match. I need to hook up with the right shape, yo. Don't give me all these flat pieces. I don't want flat pieces. Boom. I made it successfully. That's right, right here on a Friday night on a video game podcast. But that's never happened before. Alright. I don't know what the ultimate end game of this game is, but... I'm kicking butt out of this computer guy next to me who isn't doing anything. Oh, shoot. Oops. are blinking that must mean the game's about to end I'm doing a win I'm doing a win I need one more hookup come on give it to me screw me oh game's over story of my life alright well that's enough of that back to you in the studio Hey everyone, this is Michael, one of the hosts of the Atari XEGS Cart by Cart podcast. Do you like Atari? Of course you do. What about the 8-bit computer line? It was one of the best. Well, how about you consider joining Bill, David, Kieran, and myself as we review the cartridge-based games for Atari's 8-bit computer line. We also review budget games which are mostly released only in the UK. But that's not all. We also dig up game history, share personal experiences, and perform questionable comedy. You'll get all of that and for free just by listening to us on either iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, Player FM, or from our website at xegs8bit.com. That's x-e-g-s, the number 8, bit.com. And when you're done listening, please send us your hate mail, because we really need the feedback so we know someone is tuning in. Hey, it's me, Bill, your host, the guy you've been listening to this whole episode. Do you enjoy the stories I write and read to you every week on this podcast? but you feel like you just need a break from my voice? I get it. My family does sometimes, too. Here's an option. Some of the stories from the show are now collected in a volume titled Misery Banana, Very Short Stories Inspired by Old Games and Odd Thoughts. You can order it wherever you like to order books. I hope you'll check it out. Thanks.
here's the thing about Street Racer. It's bad, definitely, by contemporary standards. I'm not even sure it has a lot of staying powder. Uh, power, powder has lots of staying powder. This week's episode is sponsored by Staying Powder. Um, I'm not sure it has a lot of staying powder. Uh, damn. Staying power for 1977 either. I believe the original nine Atari games were Combat, Surround, Blackjack, Video Olympics, Air Sea Battle, Starship, Indy 500, Street Racer, and Basic Math. Um, I've played all of those, I think, except... Uh, I'm not sure about Starship. I think I have Indy 500 coming up on the show. Or maybe I've already done it? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think I've played Basic Math. Um, but some of those, I'm, I'm sure I remember being better games than this. Even Surround, because it doesn't try to do anything more than just be a, a cursor with um, a, a line following it. Versus another cursor with another line following it. Air Sea Battle, I think, was even a more complicated game than this. Maybe not by much, but better still. This game is too basic. Again, you know, you have to remember 1977 and all that, and what what you had to work with and what you were used to seeing. But I I, I don't know. Maybe this one just didn't age well uh, for me. So I'm glad I have it for the collection, but. Yeah, it's not one that you would come back to a lot. It's one that you, uh, you know, when your four-year-old cousin comes over to visit, you plunk them down in front of the the screen to do this because uh, it's a novel thing for them to do, and it entertains them. Um, but when you sit down to play, it's probably not going to be your first choice. There, I said it. I really went on a on a limb for that one. It's story time on Atari Bytes. Yes, it's story, 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 story time with Bill. This week's story comes to us from our one of our favorite places, Bad Poetry Corner. This week's poem is titled, Moving On, Standing Still. I sit here in this parking lot, surveying all the things I've got, or don't. My friends jet off to parts unknown. They laugh and giggle at photos on their phones. I idle quietly in the corner. So many streets we all race down, so many avenues through life's towns. I thought I knew which way to go. No. That's a lie I told myself. I put my fears up on a shelf. Don't my friends have fears? When lights turn green, we hit the gas. I started out great, but my friends, they did pass. I didn't crash, but I didn't win either. They found their callings race cars, plane technicians. One's a prize-winning mathematician. I call my job. It doesn't call me. But keeping all the balls in the air means having to grow a pair. That's life on the streets, folks. In life, we slalom and swish on downhill skis. Metaphors for life are easy, you see. But on life's tally, 
Do the numbers add up? Skis, planes, cars. Choose your metaphor. All life requires is for you to be a mover. I'll do my best if you will too. This poem is crossing the finish line, might say just in time, but you take your own time to find your road. Life hurries enough on its own. And that's our show. Thanks to Kevin McLeod at Incomptech.com for Creative Commons' use of his songs, Reformat, Take a Chance, and Pinball Spring. Thanks to Mike Mann for the Mad Mike Hughes update theme. Thanks to Sean Courtney for the Storytime theme. You can find Atari Bytes on many podcatchers, which you have figured out by now. But make sure, whatever you do, you race on over to Apple Podcasts and spread the word on the street that this show is pretty okay. You can email the show at ataribytes2016 at gmail.com. You can like the show on our Facebook page. You can follow the show on Twitter at Atari Bytes, or follow me personally at Carnival of Glee. Also, check us out occasionally on Instagram, which, frankly, I've been ignoring uh, almost completely lately. Not out of any uh, malice or anything. I just uh, haven't been over there lately. But I'll be back sometime. So, you know, keep an eye out. Oh, and don't forget, you can call me too. Leave a voicemail at 563-265-1978 about any damn thing you want. And maybe I'll play that message on the show. Please consider supporting the show financially by making a donation on the Atari Bytes Patreon page. Which uh, will be getting an overhaul soon. I hope. So keep an eye on that. Uh, please consider jumping on as a patron. And uh, we'll have uh, you know puppies and kittens and uh, cheesecake every day or something. All right. These are all metaphorical puppies and kittens and cheesecake, by the way. I'm not actually going to send you those things. Sorry. You can also pick up shirts and mugs in the AB underscore pod underscore store store on Zazzle.com, which also will begin an overhaul at some point. Oh, oh, speaking of overhauls, all that stuff I said about how to contact me, you can do all of that now in one place. One-stop bill shopping. I have a new website. www.carnivalofgleecreations.com Links to all of this stuff in the show notes, of course. There you will find information and links for this show, for my other podcast, it's Podcast Charlie Brown, for the books that I've written, all sorts of stuff. If I have other news, I'll put it up there. If there's anything I want you to know or think you might like to know, uh, it's there. CarnivalofGleeCreations.com. All in one place. I hope you'll check out the website. I hope you give me some feedback. I am not. You will see quickly, probably, an uh expert at designing a website or using the tools that were given to me to design the website and you know any polite suggestions would be uh, appreciated speaking of patreon as i was a few moments ago thanks to my patrons uh michael tyler and g ray defender you guys rock um but those guys they're kind of lonely over there on the patreon by themselves so some some more you guys should go uh hang out with them hey 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 you Hey you, you over there, do you, do you love Snoopy? Do you know someone who does? Yes, yes you do. 
check out my other podcast, which I've already mentioned. It's a podcast, Charlie Brown. Your one-stop shop for all things in and around the Peanuts universe. Charlie Brown, Snoopy, Linus, Charles Schultz, the creator, uh, the comic strips, the TV show, the movies, uh, merchandise, books, plays even, whatever it is, we'll talk about it over there on the 15th of every month, and you should go check it out. Next time on Atari Bytes. So, here's the thing. I'm trying something different next week. You've heard me from time to time mention uh, a podcast called Champion Klein, The Night Rider Years, uh, which is a uh, an episode-by-episode episode review of classic Hasselhoff talking car show, uh, Night Rider, uh, hosted by two guys, Dave Champion and Greg Klein. Uh, and I've gotten to be sort of podcasting friends with them over the years. I've been on their show. And they have, uh, we have tried to work out a time for them to come on this show. And, you know, we all, we both have our own podcasting schedules and real jobs and families and things. So it's been hard to work that out. But they said, you know, if you give us a game, we, we would like to write a story for you. Uh, so I did. Uh, and they, they are writing me a story. They, well, full disclosure, they've already, ri- already written it and I've heard it. So what we're going to do next week is I'll be here. I'm going to tell you about the game. Uh, but then instead of me presenting a story to you, you, you will hear a story from them. Uh, doing something a little new here on the podcast. So uh, I thought about what game should I give them. And there are a lot of space games for the Atari, of course. A lot of games with monsters in them. Uh, things like that, which frankly would be pretty easy to come up with a story for. So I thought, these guys are pretty creative. They're funny, they're smart, they're clever. Uh, I'm going to give them a little bit more of a challenge. So I assigned them Hangman. That's right, the classic pencil and paper game brought to life on the TV screen by Atari. Um, In all its, I was going to say 3D glory, but 2D glory. Hangman. That's the game I assigned them. And next week you'll hear whether they managed to pull off a story... Inspired by Hangman. So it'll be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I, I hope you guys are too. Uh, Dave and Greg, you're, uh, you know, you're in the spotlight now. So until next time, go play some old games. They've missed you.